I appreciate you all being here this morning. It is always an encouragement for me to be able to speak before you and bring a lesson before you. Uh, I will go ahead and say I am sitting down because I am not cut out for long runs and races of 13 miles. Uh, my body is sore, and uh, I told my wife yesterday that I think I may have to use the stool. <laughs> but I hope you'll bear with me as we go through this lesson. Uh, Exodus chapter 18, we're going to begin in verse 13, and it's a little bit of a lengthier reading, so if you'll just bear with me, please. Exodus 18, beginning in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people have come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all, the people, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. In life, we all have these moments. These moments where we have a task set before us. We have a certain goal for these tasks. And in order to reach that goal and have it done the way we want it to be done, we have to shoulder most of the burdens. I remember in college, I was the president of a society, and I had this image for what I wanted the society to be. I wanted to be good at sports. I wanted to be very enthusiastic and always there to encourage everyone around us. And so I was gung-ho in the very beginning to make that society the way I wanted it to be. I was encouraging people to go to the sports games, to do community service. I was putting everything into it, and I was bearing the brunt of the, the burdens on my shoulders. And by the end of the year, I'd gotten so worn out and so tired from what I was doing that I just didn't really feel it anymore. I didn't want to go to the meetings. I didn't want to tell people how we should finish out the year. And by the end of the year, when I was relieved of my duties for the next president to take over, I was so relieved because it meant I didn't have to do it anymore. When we bear the burdens of tasks on our shoulders, it wears us out. It makes us ready for the end. It makes us ready in the race. It makes me ready for the finish line at mile two. Bearing the burdens of tasks on our own shoulders tires us out. And what we see in Exodus chapter 18 is the same idea. We have Jethro, who is the father of Moses. And Moses, if, if we remember, is the leader of the Israelites. He led them out of Egypt in their time of slavery, and they were wandering or, or headed towards the promised land at this time. And so Jethro comes to visit them, and he actually comes to bring Moses, his wife, and his family, and he sees Moses doing something. Moses is, in, starting in the very beginning of the day, standing in between the people or in the midst of the people and listening to their problems. And as he's listening to their problems... The day gets longer and goes on, and by the end of the day, he's done only that task the entire day. And so Jethro asks him about it. He, why are you doing this? What is this? And so Moses tells him, well, I'm, I'm helping the people solve their problems. And Jethro tells him something he probably didn't want to hear. What you're doing isn't right. This isn't good. 
Jethro sees this issue and he, he advises Moses to do something else. Because he understands that what Moses is doing is going to be, it's going to wear out not only Moses, but the people of Israel as well. And so as we look at the advice Jethro gave Moses today, we can still apply it today. Even though Moses had a different role than we might ever have, the advice from Jethro applies to every single person in, our, in, in life. So that, this morning, that's what I want to look at. I want to look at the idea of sharing the load. Because when we look at the advice Jethro gives his son-in-law, that's the crux of it. Moses, you're putting too much on your shoulders. You have to share the load. And if we don't, and if we don't heed the advice of Jethro, we might fall away because of the weariness our burdens put on our shoulders. In faith, we are, we are asked to do a lot. Because in faith, we follow Jesus, we exemplify who he is. And if we try to bear the brunt of temptation or sin on our own, it's going to become too much. It's going to become so much so that we might fall away. Jethro's advice is here to help us in our spiritual walk with God. Look at me in verse 13. Verse 13, we can see what Jethro begins to advise. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. And when Moses, his father-in-law, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of the law and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. So as, I, as we see, Moses' task, his, his idea of how to fulfill the task set before him by God is just, oh, I'm going to stand before the people. I can do this all by myself. And Jethro sees problems with this. Because as Moses was doing so, he, he devoted his whole day to one task. And if he continued to do that, well, other things were going to start to slip away and fall apart. And in verse 17, Jethro is very blunt with Moses. This isn't a good thing you are doing. Yes, you're keeping what God wants you to do, but you're not doing it in the best way. And in verse 18, Jethro explains why it's not good. He tells him that you're going to wear yourself out and the people out. And so his advice for Moses is very simple, and it's simple for us today, that not all solutions are good. We can have an idea how to complete a task, and that idea could get us to the finish line. But what happens if that idea just doesn't connect all the dots? What happens if that idea just isn't allowing us to fire on all cylinders to finish a project? And by the end, we're just merely scraping by. Not all solutions we may choose are going to be good, even if they can still get the job done. And Jethro was not saying that we should find ways out of tasks that seem hard or difficult just because our solution isn't good. But he's saying there, there might be, require a little more thinking, a little more help in order to figure out how to make a better solution to issues. And in fact, he's telling Moses that his solution should not only be beneficial for his own, Moses' own energy or the people's own energy, but it should be a solution that is still pleasing to God. Jethro is not advising against what God has told Moses. He's not trying to get Moses to do something different than what he's been commanded, but he's just telling him there's a better way to obey God in all this. And if we're going to listen to Jethro's advice, we have to understand why his advice works. If I listen to the first piece of advice I received, then this, or for this advice that not all solutions are good, then I'm going to understand my solutions are going to take a toll on me that I might not notice. While I might be pushing through and powering through a project, I may be coming home grumpy and short-tempered, 
and hurting more people in my life than I realize just because my solution is taking so much of a toll on me that I don't see the outside of, or the physical toll it's taking. My jobs I'm doing might wear, me, might wear me out, and it may make me weary and frustrated so that time when I get home, I'm just ready to eat dinner and lay on the couch and not do anything around the house, which in turn takes a toll on my wife. I may become short-tempered, and when I have kids, if I have this attitude, if, if they're there and I'm short-tempered and frustrated, it's going to wear on them that, oh, dad's in one of his moods. I can't go talk to him today. Spiritually, I may think I know how to deal with a temptation that I have that I know how to overcome anger or greed or lust, and I can do it all on my own. And I'm going to deal with it by throwing away things that I don't need. I'm going to take off apps on my phone, and I'm going to be okay. And the more I do that, the more I start to focus in on what I can do, it's going to take a toll on me elsewhere in my spiritual life. With anger, if I'm deciding that holding in my anger and not venting it or, or allowing it to be spoken in a well a well-placed way, well, then one day it's all going to come out. That my solution of holding in my anger, while it might be good at the forefront, while it might be good in the moment, it's going to come out at another moment where it's going to make everything else seem useless to what I was doing. Not all solutions that work are good. And if I listen to Jethro's advice, I understand that no one benefits from a weary heart. Not only is Moses going to be worn down from shouldering this burden, but the people are going to be worn down. The people that he's trying to help, to try, help them understand what God wants, are going to be worn out because Moses is worn out. How can I encourage my friends if I'm worn out? How can I help someone if I don't have the energy to get through that help? If my solutions are taxing me spiritually, how can I be beneficial for God? When I'm so worn out by overcoming one temptation, how can I be a light for him elsewhere? And if I'm listening to Jethro's advice, then I understand that being too ambitious can cause some problems. This isn't to say that we can't have ambition because we all should have ambition. But when ambition becomes too much, it's going to wear us down. It's going to put more burdens on our shoulders that are going to weigh us down. There's an old adage that we can bite off more than we can chew. That we have our eyes are bigger than our stomach is what I used to be told as a kid. And when I was told that, I would always brush that off and just laugh at my mom. But in the end, my plate still had food and I was full. We can bite off more than we can chew spiritually, physically, and all things that we do. And in the end, we can become weary and so tired that we can't complete the task that's set before us. At least not in a way that is pleasing and working for God and for everyone. And the Bible talks about this weariness idea, this idea of needing rest or becoming too weary from, it, from work. In Ecclesiastes 12, 12, it says, My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. If someone pours all they have into studying books or stu becoming a scholar, it's going to wear them out because there is an, no end to the amount of books you can read. By the time you, keep, you realize that, you're going to realize, well... You know, I've read so many books on this one topic, but there's so many more I could read, and I just don't have the energy to continue to grow in that knowledge. Taking on too much will wear us out. In Psalm 38, starting in verse 3, it says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. We can be weighed down with the sin that we have. 
With the times that we fall apart and, and fail in the eyes of God, we can be worn down by keeping those burdens on our shoulders, by realizing, well, I'm, I'm all alone, by thinking we're all alone, and not help, asking God for the help we can have. In 2 Corinthians starting in verse, or chapter 1, starting in verse 8, it says, For we do not want, any, want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Here we have Paul writing his letter to the Corinthians saying, There was a time in Asia where we were so utterly burdened we despised the life we had. Our burdens were too much for us because we were relying on ourselves. And in the end, he, he, he tells them that we, decide, we realized we weren't relying on God like we should have been. Putting too much on our shoulders is not a good idea. It's not a solution that is good. It may work for a little bit, but ultimately, it's going to falter. But we still do this. I still do this. And I do it because of my pride. My ideas are always the best. No one can tell me otherwise because they're my ideas. They're my babies. I've thought about them. I've, I've put so much energy into my ideas that I'm going to make it work no matter what. And it's to my detriment that I keep that mindset. It also happens because I want to be noticed for my own hard work. If I have to listen to someone's advice about how to do something, well, they're going to get some of the credit. I don't really want that. I want all the credit because it's all my idea. My pride, my ego, my ambition is all going to cost me and putting too much burdens on my own shoulders. And while this, th this thinking might get us around for a short amount of time, might push us for a little bit, it's not sustainable. Eventually, that ambition is going to fall out because I've just got not, I don't have enough energy to push through the finish line. If my solution is taxing me and more burdensome than I expected, I'm going to want to quit. I'm going to want to give up, and I want relief and rest. And when it comes to spiritual things, I'm going to give, if I get so weary and trying to overcome temptation on my own, then I'm going to want to give up my faith. There's going to be questions in my mind that say, well, is it worth it if it's just this tiresome? And if I'm willing to let go of my faith because I think it's the source of my weakness, there's a big problem in that thinking. I have to be willing to seek out what God can do and how much he can take off my shoulders. Understanding that not all solutions are good should encourage us to, yes, find the solution, but find a solution that is beneficial to God and to us. Jethro tells Moses this. He tells him that his solution isn't working. It's not good. You have to do something else. And in verses 21, we see the beginning of what his solution is. 21 in Exodus chapter 18 says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace." Jethro's solution is seemingly very simple. Moses, just divvy out the load. Ask other people for help. The work is too much for Moses to do for all by himself, so why not ask for help? And that's the piece of advice that Jethro gives us as well, that it's okay for us to ask for help. It's okay for us to say, you know, this is too much for me. I need some help. I need some advice. 
Perhaps Moses, and I'm going to speak from my own experience, perhaps Moses, like me, doesn't like the idea of asking for help. I think I've mentioned this idea before. When we go driving on a road trip, I don't like to ask Bailey for directions. I don't like to use maps. I'll look at it once and understand, okay, this is where I need to go. I'll, I'll find my best way to get there. And even if we end up lost or maybe a little tiny detour, which is just another adventure, we're going to get there. Moses may not have wanted to ask for help. I don't like asking for help. Lots of people don't like asking for help because it maybe seems like, well, I can't do it myself. I'm, I'm not fully able to do this. It may be a sign of weakness in our eyes. If I have to ask for help, it means I can't complete the task before me sometimes. But that's not always true. Sometimes it just means that if I have to ask for help, I recognize that the task before me is important and I want to fix it and, and complete it in the best way possible. Jethro suggests this for a reason. Now, we don't have the same role that Moses does. Moses is the leader of the Israelites. He's the one who led them out of slavery. And God has given him this task. But Jethro sees this. And he says, you know, you're going to wear yourself out by burdening yourself, by trying to solve everybody's problems. He was being the judge over disputes, kind of like our judiciary system, except there's, in this case, there's only one judge. Jethro's advice is, is just give other judges or give other trustworthy men a chance to be judges over small things. Set up men over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, over tens, so that they can weed out the most easy cases and only bring you the most difficult ones. That way you can focus your energy on doing more for God. This is not Jethro saying he should, Moses should push off his duty to God. This is not Jethro saying, well, listen to me because I know better than God. He's just saying, here's a way that you can please God and give other men a chance to serve God and make it so that you can help lead the people better. When we ask for help, there's so much benefit in us asking for help from others. But we have to understand that when we ask for help, it should come from credible sources, that it should be from trustworthy people who aren't going to lead us astray, who aren't going to say, well, I want you to do this because it's in my best benefit. But people are going to say, well, this is your, what you're dealing with. Here's a better way to fix that. Moses doesn't listen to some person off the side of the road. He listens to his father-in-law. His father-in-law who is bringing his wife with him. And he listens to him because he's a credible source. So when we ask for help, we shouldn't be asking people who are going to lead us in a certain way because that's the way they're feeling that morning. We should be asking people who are knowledgeable and understanding in that subject. In, in college, when I had a history paper I had to do, I would turn not to the science department, not to the music department. I would turn to the history department because they knew the subject that I was writing about. They could tell me what books to look at. They could tell me what people to write about. I went to the people who knew what they were talking about. Spiritually, when I ask for help, I'm going to ask people I know I can trust with my struggles. I'm going to share my struggles with people I know I can confide in, who will be there to encourage me and push me in the way that, needs to be that I need to be pushed. If I'm struggling with sin, I'm not going to ask for someone who's not going to hold me accountable. I'm not going to ask for someone who's just going to brush it off as, well, you just messed up today, it's okay. I'm going to ask for someone who's there to hold me accountable for my actions. To say, yeah, you messed up. you got to fix it. you got to get back to square one. you got to start over. 
Because you've got to be the best you can be for God. Whatever I struggle with, I'm going to seek help first from God. But I'm, then I'm going to seek help from the men that I can trust, the women that I can trust. I'll ask my wife what she thinks I should do. I'll ask my, my elders and my, my fellow preachers, hey, I'm struggling with this. What can I do to fix it? And I'm going to trust what they tell me because they're trustworthy sources. One of the reasons I'm going to ask for help or we can ask for help is because others see problems that I might not. While I might have ex exhausted myself in finding solutions, I may not see a problem pop up or another solution pop up because I'm so tired and worn out from my solution or from my idea of what's going to work. And when I ask someone for help, they're going to come with a fresh pair of eyes. They're going to come with a fresh viewpoint and say, yeah, you're doing good in this area, but this area could be so much better. You could fix this part of your life. You can be right with God in this way. When I ask for help, someone might be able to come in and point out something that resolves problems that I didn't even think about. Going back to the idea of holding my anger in, if I go to someone and say, hey, I'm struggling with my anger and with calling people out or venting my anger in a wrong way, what should I do? They might say, well, holding your anger in isn't going to be good. You're going to let that out one day. It's going to blow up in your face one day. Here's what you should do instead. Ultimately, though, asking for help shares my burdens. It helps me to take some of the task that, sets that is set before me and say, can you do this? Can you take this on and, and help us complete this task in the sight of God that is worthwhile and good in God's eyes? In work, we ask coworkers to help us with projects so we can make the project the best it can be for the company we work with. In our spiritual lives, we share the load of temptation so that we can listen to others who have gone through the same temptations and come out a better person, a better Christian in the sight of God. Asking for help shares the burdens we bear. And the Bible helps us to understand this idea as well. In Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, we read, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's this idea here that if someone is, is struggling with sin, there's a gentle aspect to helping them get over that sin. There's a gentle aspect in rebuking him or her and saying, hey, this isn't right. You've got to be doing something else. But there's a warning that Paul offers, and he says, be careful as you try to help others and share the burden that you don't be caught in sin, that you don't struggle and fall to sin as you're worrying about others. Verse 2, though, tells us that bearing one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. If I'm looking out for you and what you're struggling with, and you're looking out for me and what I'm struggling with, it's going to help us to be better Christians. It's going to help us to be better examples of Christ. It's going to help us in our walks with God. In Romans 15, starting in verse 1, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who, are, who reproached you fell on me. As Christians, we're meant to build one another up. Some of us are going to be stronger than others. And it's the responsibility of the stronger people, the stronger Christians, to help with those who are weaker, to help encourage them, to help lift them up to where they need to be. And if we ever grow weary in that idea or in that task, we have an example in Christ, who in this passage we're told, he bears the reproaches that are thrown at us, 
the rejections, the mockings, the, the suffering that we bear is put on Christ, and He bears it for us. We're there to help bear the task or bear the burdens of those around us. And we're, there, we're able to ask for help with our burdens. In 1 Thessalonians, in, starting, in chapter 5, starting in verse 14, it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good with one another and to everyone. What I really want to focus on is that first part of the verse, the idea of admonishing, encouraging, and helping. Bearing the burdens has a different, a different way to do it every single time. Depending on the person, it may mean admonishing someone for what they're doing. It may mean being patient with someone in the sense of, in the sense of encouragement or helping the weak. There's patience in bearing the burden. There's patience in saying, I need help, and I'm going to ask those who can give me help. The Bible teaches us more times than not to bear one another's burdens. And it may look different than one on how it's done, depending on the person, but the idea is always the same. Burdens should be shared. And they should be there so that we can help others. In fact, one of the best examples of this sharing the burden is in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, we have the church in Jerusalem who are calling on the apostles to come back. They're struggling with the daily distribution and, and taking care of the widows of the church. And they write to the apostles saying, hey, we need help. We need you to come help us with this. And so the, the, the apostles summon the, the church there and say, it's, it's not right for us to leave the preaching of God to come deal with this. But here's what you should do. You should, set, you should appoint for you seven men who are trustworthy, who are God-fearing to deal with this task. There's a sharing of the burden here in Acts chapter 6. A sharing of the burden that says, we can't do this all on our own. In fact, we're doing something important ourselves, and we can't leave that to do this. This isn't always easy. There's a pushback against asking for help because it makes us seem weak. It makes us seem like we can't complete something. And ultimately, it's difficult because it requires me to admit, I can't do it all on my own. It requires humility. It requires me to understand that sometimes my skill sets just don't translate in some ways. And it requires me to humble my pride and say, someone else can do this better than me. And that's not always going to be easy. Because it's not easy to admit someone is better than you at something. Spiritually, physically. But this is what it requires when we ask for help. And if I'm willing to humble myself and ask for help, then it's going to help me in my walk with Christ. It's going to help me in being a better Christian than I was when bearing all the burdens of the world on my own shoulders. When I ask for help to complete a task, it's not me showing weakness. It's not me saying, well, yeah, I can't do this, so I just have to turn away or turn to someone else. It's me saying, well, I know this person can do this, and they're really good at that. I'm going to ask them to help me in that aspect of my life. Sharing the burden is beneficial to all people because it gives an opportunity for men and women to use the skill sets that God has blessed them with. When Moses is told to share the task with the other men in Israel, he's allowing men over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and over tens to use their God-given gifts for the glory of God. He's giving them an opportunity to serve. 
In Luke 10, we see an idea like this as well. Jesus sends out 72 disciples to preach the word. It's too much for Jesus himself to, there's not enough time for Jesus himself to reach out as much or to, to lay the groundwork. And so he sends out these 72 disciples to do it first, to lay the groundwork, to let them know that Jesus is coming and he's going to teach for them. He divvies out this opportunity so that these men can use their, blessed, their, their blessings from God to show Christ is coming. In churches, we have elders who look over the entire congregation. And under them, we have deacons to divvy up the tasks before us in the church so that no one man is bearing the burden of them all. There's an opportunity for everyone to serve. There's an opportunity for everyone to use the gifts that God has blessed them with. And sometimes, while people might be willing to serve, they just have to be asked. They just have to be approached. That's what Moses is able to do. He's able to approach the men in Israel and say, hey, I need some help. Would you like to help me with this? And there's a response. And in fact, if we look back in Exodus chapter 18, we can see how this comes to fruition. Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to begin in verse 23. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this, people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Moses listens to his father-in-law. He hears the advice, and he does what Jethro has advised. And we see that it is beneficial to the people. It helps them to decide the small matters in smaller courts. And it helps Moses to ease the burden to other people. It works. The advice works. Listening to advice works. That's what we can see in this passage. And if I look at this passage and understand that listening to advice of trustworthy, credible people, then I should be willing to listen to the advice of those around me. Most importantly, I think what is, is extremely almost shocking to us in this, war, this day and age, Moses doesn't brush off this advice. I think a lot of times our first response to advice is, that doesn't work. That's not going to help me. And we brush it off. We push it aside because we just don't see it. Moses doesn't do that. He hears the advice of his father-in-law. And he is willing to do it, to try it, to make sure that they are all doing what is right in the sight of God and it is beneficial to all people. We have to be willing to be like Moses. We have to be willing to listen to the advice of those around us. We have to be willing to humble ourselves so that we can hear and see solutions that we might not have even thought of. So we can fix problems that we may not even realize have popped up. If I'm not willing to heed advice that not only Jethro gives me, but of trustworthy people in my own life, then there's a real fear of me losing my salvation. There's a real fear of me walking away because it just becomes too much for me. That's not worth it. If not listening to advice is going to end up costing me my salvation, then that's not worth it for just a little bit of humility. Listening to advice is beneficial for our walks with God. Listening to the advice of the Bible, of the characters and the men who have gone on before us, Listening to the advice of the people around us who have struggled with the same things we have struggled helps us in our own walks. 
And if we listen, if we hear the advice they give us, we can become great examples in God's kingdom. We can be examples of Christ that he wants us to be so that we can bring others to salvation. That's the important part about listening to advice. That listening to advice spreads the gospel and brings more into God's kingdom. I appreciate your attention this morning. At this time, we're going to go ahead and be dismissed for our classes.